Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. One night, one goal. Stop suicide. On June 3rd, Washington, D.C. will host the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention's Out of the Darkness Overnight Walk. For the last 20 years, people have described the overnight as one of the most powerful experiences of their lives. Now is the perfect time for you to join us as people from all over the country come together to send a message of love and hope. Walk over 16 miles from dusk till dawn to raise funds and awareness for suicide prevention. See the landmarks of Washington, D.C. by moonlight. Form lasting friendships, experience healing, and bring hope to those affected by suicide. Join us. Be a part of something extraordinary. June 3rd in Washington, D.C. Register today at theovernight.org or call 888-THE-OVERNIGHT. That's theovernight.org or 888 888- Wednesday bulletin, and as usual on a Wednesday, I'm con- I'm joined by Colin Watt and Brian Degnan. Lads, I wasn't here last week because uh, I got called away very, very urgently, uh, but there was an elephant in a room that I want to actually bring up 
after watching you back last week. I mean, I wasn't Uh-oh. checking. I wasn't checking you up on you or anything like that. I was just had a wee watch back. In Stirling, it was called plugging the school. Nah, that's not right. You get, you get fifteen. You get fifteen years for plugging down here. Well, but what, what it can son, no hinking back about it. It doesn't scan right, does it? Plug in, because you plug in. So that means that you go into something. So plugging the school doesn't actually make any sense. Now I started thinking about it. There you go, see? Yeah. Stick the dog in, so, the dog in. Uh, I know. The plugging and the dogging, that was a, the two worst things that could have happened last week. <laughs> Definitely. Well, we you were the two worst things that could have happened last week. Well, that's true. You're a close second. Uh, me hosting and plugging and dogging, that was <laughs> one part. He did a better job than me calling her. I'll admit that. I'll admit that. Even my dad says that. Eh? So, <laughs> <laughs> that shows you all you need to that, that tells you everything that you need to know. Uh, right. We've got a couple of things to discuss today. We've got like the, the, the tagline, could Kyogo return for the closed-door bounds game tomorrow against Motherwell? Uh, we've also got uh, like not the 10 o'clock news. There's loads of stuff that actually came out this morning and that, that we can have a, wee, <coughs> have a wee discussion about. But also, because we've got a kind of free hit, it's international week, put your questions in the comments and we'll have sensible questions about Celtic. And and we'll and we'll uh, and we'll hover. We'll try and answer them as honestly and as like fairly and as real, realistically as possible. There's another elephant in the room that I want to bring up. And it's Don't talk to me like that, Kev. That's the order. <laughs> it's not put on that much, right? I mean, I mean, that's like I'm not sure you've got the bike in the background. Is that one of the peloton bikes that you've got there, Brian? I I need myself together. Need to try. And- more active, so go to the exercise bike out for during um, any sort of gaps in work, right on the bike. There's oh, probably something on, do something active, but baby steps, Kev. Any sort of gaps in work, I go to the biscuit tin and get some custard creams. Right, Georgios Yakamakis has got his own song, and it's He's got a couple tune. of them. And it's the two that, well, the one that the, the Green Brigade start, tried to start on Saturday was to the tune of 99 Red Bloons. Is that allowed? Are we allowed to try to make a tune out of 99 Red Bloons? I'm all right, we're, we're making tunes of everything these days. What I was, the other one that had, um, had I seen came back was the old Tanduri Tony. Do you remember Tanduri Tony? I noticed he appeared again another week there. Ah, he's got one for Jackamacus. If he it? scores one, he'll score two. He'll score a hat trick. He's big and mean. Something, something. George's Jackamacus. It was, it was a good tune. I remember when Tanduri Tory was a thing. That one must have been about ten years ago. Aye, he's back for the big Gigi. Is he? I was the tune, so I like the one. Do you know the one? It's the really cheesy song, and it's um, Jordan. Um, I, I, I like the invention there and I like the, the jumping all over the world, the scooter one as well. I wonder what next, I wonder what cheesy anthem is next. Aha, take on me. Think they could get a song. Ah, one that's, of the Celtic too high. Yeah, I get, mm. I, I, what I'm saying is there's not enough ABBA. There's not enough ABBA in our songbook. We need to try and rework an ABBA classic. Right. Aye, but the... Did Emma Cross the river nose got an ABBA song? 
Aye, we made one ever. a couple of years ago for the bold Johnny Hayes. And I tell you what, on a night out, if that was on a jukebox, it was brilliant, don't know, really. so we need to get more <laughs> ABBA into, the, more ABBA ABBA. into the, uh, the songbook, that's what I'm saying. Oh, right, I think we need to move on. There'll be some, <laughs> be some guys for the Green Brigade shouting at us, going, why are you telling us to sing ABBA songs? You mentioned Johnny Hayes. And this is a perfect time. Johnny Hayes scored one of the last times that we... Was it the last time that we won at Ibrox? Johnny Hayes scored? Yep. It yeah, yeah. Been. So the rumour is that Celtic are taking uh, taking 700 tickets uh, for the game in 12 days' time, 13 days' time. I'm disappointed that Celtic are taking the tickets, Colin, but I think really the battle was lost when we allowed Rangers to actually cut our allocation to 800 anyway. And what we need to do going forward is actually put all our eggs in the close-season basket and try to get round the table and get a reasonable allocation back. I'll use the words that both parties seem to be using, a reasonable <coughs> uh, allocation back for what they're calling the biggest derby game in the world. Yeah, I think the approach that was taken looking at the European allocation that was the first step and that was the right first step for Celtic to take and I think on both sides of the argument it could be made for the European allocations to be handed to both teams now you're going to have people coming in here saying I don't want them in our ground and you'll get the same from uh, the other side of the city as well saying I don't want them in here either it's better when it's all just us for me, it just takes away a wee bit of the sort of element about what makes the game so special. I mean, I'm looking forward to this game at the semi-final at Hamden if I'm lucky enough to get a ticket and having the, the sort of 50-50 because as much as there's a, an atmosphere that you don't like coming from their side, I always think it G's our support up as well and you get a far better atmosphere on our side. And you, you've got that sort of, we've got to try and out-sing them, we've got to try and out-last them for the whole 90 minutes and it, it does pick it up. Um, especially if the game's a bit flat. Personally, having been to Ibrox a couple of times, I do enjoy going there, personally because I've never seen us been beat. It would be a totally different story if I'd never seen us win. I'd probably not want to go. Um, but you can't really have a derby match, can you, where one team isn't allowed in just because somebody took the hump at getting beat 5-0 a couple of times at their own ground at We've got to rise above that. It's absolutely childish that we got into this situation in the first place. And it is about time that we grew up and get, our, get ourselves around the table and actually sorted out what is potentially ruining the best game in Scottish football. The thing is, Brian, eh, Colin says it's time to grow up. Eh? I mean, basically, Celtic are like the next door. Celtic have let their next door neighbour throw dog poo over their garden fence. And when you complain to them about it, they blame your cat. For, for pooing in your own garden uh, and Celtic really need to actually get this back Celtic need to be the bigger party here and go look, this is affecting both supports here and and get them round the table and even if that means mediation by the SPFL it needs to get done because Sky won't be happy that this spectacle has is, is been devalued by Rangers and also Celtic will have to they have to, I mean, that corner at Ibrox has been notorious for years for being unsafe for away fans. There's a catalogue of incidences with other teams where they've had bottles of butt thrown at them. They've been attacked by other fans, they've had bottles of pee and all of that. 
it's not a safe area. And when we're in there, it's even worse. And there's no netting above it or anything like that. Really, the SPFL need to step in here to actually ensure the safety of all fans going, going, to, going to Rangers. Aye, the safety is paramount over and above any other issue. The safety of any supporter is paramount. It doesn't matter who they support. You, you can't. You, you don't want people to be going to football games and, and no coming back or coming back scared or hurt or anything like that. So that, that, that's the first point. On the allocation, I, I'm still kind of of the mindset that I would tell them to ram it until such times as we get a proper allocation back. Because as Colin said, it was a petty decision. They, 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 they were like children. They, they were fed up getting slapped about, so they, they took their ball and went home and didn't want to play anymore. And um, they said, oh, we're only getting X amount of fans. Um, and then we reacted. And I think at the time, you said the damage was done because we said, well, you're not getting any fans. And it just became a case of just shut up and fix it. But I just feel like I don't see why we should be compromising. I think you either say, well, we want the allocation as it was or as close to it or we'll just no bother coming. Um and I think, you know, backfire if they want a whole stadium for the Rangers fans. If we go, imagine we go there and score first with a whole stadium of Rangers fans. They'll be on their team and it won't help them. They, they, it's, I think it's counterproductive. So you would hope Killer Heads to the is about a, a, um, a sort of sensible outcome. But my personal opinion is that I can understand people want to go. Like if, if you offered me a ticket for it, of course I'll go, right? So maybe I'm being a hypocrite, but. Like in general, I would I would tell them where to stick their tickets until it's it's sorted. And I think I think Rangers fans would probably say the same. If I'm honest, I think they would probably want the allocation back. So I don't think I'm you know I'm certainly not speaking for Rangers fans, but I would assume they're very much the same in that they probably think it's embarrassing as well. And would rather it was fixed. I think. I was, it's just- I, I was playing with a couple of boys, uh, uh, sevens with a couple of boys that are Rangers fans that go week in week out uh, on Monday night. And they're saying to me they don't get it because if there was no... T- this is before the ticket allocation was confirmed. If they hadn't offered Celtic tickets for that game, Celtic wouldn't have offered them tickets for the game after the split. He says, look how close this league title is. Even that 700 group of fans can be the 12th man, depending on how the game's going. You can sing your heart out and it can 700 can be as loud as 50-odd thousand, depending on how the game's going. He says we need fans at that game for the last one because it's a, a good chance to go and try and get something from a ground that's difficult to try and win at. He says if, we, if we've got nobody there, there's no chance at all. And that's the way they looked at it. They saw the performance in January. As much as we dominated the game, they looked at it as if the fans were there, maybe it would have been slightly different. Maybe they'd have come out in the second half and had a right good go. So that is killing the, the atmosphere. And fans on both sides aren't enjoying this. As much as we hear say, people saying we don't want them in, we don't want them back, the ones that go week in, week out, that would follow their club for here to the moon and back, they hate this. Hate this with a passion. It's a couple of again, isn't it? Like, both sets of fans are in agreement. It's, it's weird because none of them want it. Down with this sort of thing. Let's get the placards <laughs> out. Take the car parts. Down with this sort of thing. I 
Patrick Dolan comes in. It's crazy taking the seven hundred tickets. We need to reciprocate. Don't want uh, don't want Rangers violist anywhere near Celtic. Celtic, but I think the problem is here. If Celtic refuse to take the seven hundred tickets, I think they still have to offer Rangers seven hundred, and they would more than likely to take the tickets. And I think that's where the club are maybe coming from. Uh, so that, there's, there's, I don't I don't know the exact rule about that. Eh? But I've I've heard that is possibly the case, and that is the, that is the reason that Celtic have actually took the seven hundred tickets. Let's move on. Um, there was an article in the Scotsman this morning, Brian, uh, which says that Celtic commit the most fouls per game before they get carded. Now, this was written, I think it was written by one of the guys who does a view for the terrace, not 100% sure. So he stats where Celtic have committed 366 fouls this season. They've had 38 cards, so they have to commit 9.63 fouls before they get a card. Close to us as Rangers. Rangers need to commit six fouls before they actually get a card. I mean, come on, Brian, eh? I mean... What they're trying to do. I mean, this is a narrative that we've got to. This is a narrative that we've got to actually blow right out the water here. Eh? How many games have we absolutely dominated and actually ended up committing mere free kicks in the opposition team? What, what I always think is fascinating is it's another indictment of how ridiculous the refereeing is. I think one of one of the games I remember in particular, it was, um, I think it was Bobby Madden was the ref. I actually don't think he's the worst at the moment, but we had like eighty percent possession. And we committed the same amount of fouls as the other team. Or more, I think we committed 15 now. That would imply that we had to give the ball away and instantly foul them, or else it's impossible. It just it's just mental, like it 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 yeah, it blows my mind some of the, the, the stats like that, and I think. You know, I'm not hundred percent sure who that article, maybe it was Don Robertson, but there's a... yeah, it's like, it's something that we need to squash this. I just because what that does is that that gives you know, tangible evidence to people that say that we're getting away with murder when anyone with two eyes watching a game, um, unless he's wearing a, a black a black referee shirt, can see that's not the case. It's it's really stuff like that that, that winds me up. And I just think, like, where's the, where's the name of the guy? Is it Crawford Allen? Is he went into hiding after, after he, he, he's the, the head of referees, isn't he? Uh-huh. Uh, uh, he went into hiding. He, he popped his head out. Slide Kyogo. And then disappeared. He's never mentioned it. Where is his take on it? I mean, I just I think the whole situation is ridiculous, and articles like that just don't help. Like it does not help, Colin. It creates a narrative which is no which is no really there. But I have noticed at games the amount of petty free kicks Celtic, that are awarded against Celtic when they're trying to win the ball back. When, when players actually do simulate and go down to try and stop the play, and the referees seem more than willing to give them. Uh, I tell you what, and I'm going to bring this comment up. I know you're running things, Kev, but it's going to explain my point here. And Ryan McGinley says, Man City have the same problem as about being smart with the fouls. Fernandinho is a master at it. And the the same the similarities between Celtic and Man City is the high press. The fact that Celtic press so high up the park, so that a lot of these fouls are actually given in the opposition half because you've got someone who's closing in on them. They're kind of... If they get away from them, they just sort of clip them to bring them down. You look at it and you go, can I give a yellow card for that? It's nothing in it. It's just a, a bit clumsy. And it keeps going and keeps going. There's never these sort of cynical fouls like we saw at the weekend, um, which led to the red card. With the exception of maybe Hitati's recently, 
you don't really see Celtic players flying into tackles. You see them sort of maybe grabbing the jersey here or a wee tug at the ankles here. Or, and it's wee sort of niggly sort of smart fouls, as Ryan puts it. And that is the case because Celtic are going to try and push further and further and further up the park and try and win it back as far up the park as possible. If you're committing the fouls in your own half, there's every chance that you're going to get a booking, you're going to see the free kick, and it's going to lead to an opportunity for the other team to try and score. That being said, seeing the last 10 minutes of games, the amount of daft fouls and yellow cards that are just given nowadays is ridiculous. When Karamoko Dembele came on the other week, I can't remember what game it was, um, he was on the park a whole 30 seconds, went to chase somebody back, literally just sort of jumped to sort of get in front of them, jumped onto the guy, and the referee booked him for his first foul. And you're saying it takes nine points, so many fouls to get a yellow card. I guess it depends who you are. Uh, uh, Colin's right there, Brian. It really does depend on the actual free kick. So articles like this with the headline, Celtic need to commit more fouls before getting a card. That's what I mean. It's, it's, a, narrative. it's, it's a narrative there. They, they don't take into account what kind of foul it actually was in the first place. Eh? And again, yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's, just, it's just these websites mischief-making for me. It's clickbait stuff, in it? It's just how you phrase it. How you sort of phrase the, the data because I suppose technically so Colin's right in that we probably we give as I said because we're dominating so much possession we're pushing up you give some fills away but what that says is that the the article is saying that basically we Nady wants to give us cards and that isn't that's so false so it's just how you spin these things and there's clearly an agenda behind that there is like and I'm not saying that, that whoever wrote it's inherently biased but what they're doing is, you know, regardless of who they support, they're making an interesting headline for somebody to read that's going to grab attention, and that will grab attention, but what's going to happen is people won't read the article, they'll read the headline, or read the, uh, the, the bits and no dig deep into it. It's, mm. uh, it just gives that a very false view, but, I mean, let's be honest, it's not as if we're strangers to crazy narratives in the, the, the media about Celtic as well, so... i tell you what, Kev, it, te- it tells you that it's international break time, doesn't it? Let's look so deep into the stats and pull something out. That this seems to be a story. It's probably been on his MacBook for a couple of weeks and gone. <laughs> and his editor goes, "Right, we're desperate, lads. I need something to actually put on this website. Give me something to put on this website." And he's appeared with us. You know what tomorrow's is going to be, don't you? It'll be like Easter Road wins pie of the week or pie of the year and the stuff that's been sort of bubbling under the surface that we get a column. But now he's got a whole back page. Celtic shock as Hibs win best pie in Scotland. <laughs> something, something along them lines. Uh, definitely. Stevie boy, welcome back, Stevie. Kev, they commit fouls and get a penalty. Behave you. Yeah. I, I, like, I like getting to help to behave, <laughs> Stevie. Thank you very much for that. Brown Celt- Warrior, Celtic committed more fouls despite being in control of the ball for an average of over 70% per match. Then he comes back in and says, yeah, despite having less possession in Europe, we tend to foul less. I think you see referees against us more likely to give niggly free kicks. Ones that they'll get the, the opposition didn't we didn't seem to get against the opposition. That, that, that that's where I'm coming from. But this article is a load of rubbish. Uh, it's been it's been framed wrongly. So I'm sorry about I'm sorry if I've offended the guy who wrote it. But I just think it was whoever your headline writer is needs to have a good look at himself. Uh, right, ball and golly is back for Russia. Doesn't make any difference, Colin, does it? 
No, no, it doesn't. <laughs> is he back? Is that him confirmed back now? Are you sure he's, he's not on the first jet? Is he not on the first jet to fly out of here? Um, no, nah, look, he's not. Like, it was interesting to see him playing a couple of games earlier on in the season, but in this run-in now, um, I assume he'll be back in his flat in Glasgow, probably streaming online because he is a bit of a, a gamer. So that'll see him out to the end of the season. We'll see where it takes him from there. At least he's safe. At least he's safe. I dread to think there's no bollies streaming online, Colin. That's a conversation. Aye, well, this is a family show, Brian. Come on. Uh, I know. I know. We didn't, we, we didn't want I to never go see there. it then. I'm just saying I wonder what he's streaming. He's, he's maybe hoping that Snoop Dogg comes up with his promise. Promise if we win the league. <coughs> Is going to arrive in Glasgow and party with the Celtic team. I'm sure volleyball and golly is looking very, very forward to that happening, Colin. That'd be a great party, by the way. Um, I wouldn't really want to go to that party myself, but um, I Snoop Dogg in Glasgow with the Celtic jersey. Do you know what the interesting part of that article was? He generally said that he did look into purchasing Celtic. Having investment at the time. Now, he isn't the first one in the last couple of weeks to suggest that he's made an active bid to try and take a control and stake a Celtic. Conor McGregor said the same a couple of weeks ago as well. I mean, I'd, I'd like to think that we'd probably turn down those bids because I don't see them as um, efficient businessmen themselves, but it just shows you the kind of the markets out there. You wonder how many bids for the club have came in that have went under the radar because nobody really knows about it. It's quite weird. Then what I really liked about the article, it was quite clear that Snoop Dogg and, and his smoke-filled heads did actually have a clue what was going on at Celtic, Brian. Ah, it seems to be the case, and it's, it's always nice when there's a bit of, sort of celebrity endorsement of the club, you know, for overseas and stuff. It's quite nice that it's like when the Timber, um, Pitbull had the Juranovic song, screenshot <laughs> on Instagram, that was quite fun. Um, the only thing I ever fear about is, you know, if someone buys it, Desmond, does it become the, the Spotify Celtic Park? The way the, the, the camp now is, that's, that's something you don't want to get a, a, a rose you don't want to get around. So sometimes you're better with the devil you know. But it's <coughs> interesting that they, they, uh, having Snoop Dogg on the board, Snoop Dogg, Snoop Dogg and Ian Bankier, that'd be a conversation I'd like to see. Well, I see Snoop Dogg just joined the, the board of a, a gaming platform called Phase. The other day, they've, they've literally launched this um, gaming platform. There's a, a, a group of online gamers called the Phase Clan and they've now got a board of directors because they're hitting the, the New York Stock Exchange. This is guys that 10 years ago were just sitting in their, their rooms playing Call of Duty and now they're worth billions from it. And they've got guys like Snoop Dogg on their board of directors making their business decisions for them. What a life these guys are living, man. What a life Snoop Dogg's actually lived anyway. I mean, uh, Ryan Taylor, I'm going to bring this up. This is Snoop Dogg and Coolio get the concert on, lads. That is half-time entertainment. That, that half-time, <laughs> that's the, the Snoop Dogg half-time show with um, Eminem and Dr. The Dre. Super Bowl. The Super Bowl, that is one of the best ever. Absolutely superb. Aye, aye. Uh, the old man that Conor McGregor punched the pub was ages with <laughs> Kevin. He was mid-50s. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, Barry. Thank you very much. Uh, I, I don't know if anyone's seen the, the Friday <laughs> show. Last uh, Friday show, we were doing a thing and uh, Paul asked me what was the first game that I thought he'd went to and I said it was late 70s 
And he's like, I see you're making me look about mid 50s. So he's now ages with you, Kevin, that guy that's uh, Conor McGregor punched in the pub. I know, I wouldn't have survived Conor McGregor punching me in a pub. No, that, no, that would be in a pub anyway. Uh, but I wouldn't survive Conor McGregor punching me uh, in a pub. But I, well, I'm, I'm not quite 50 yet. I've got four years left to go, Barry. But thanks for that. I really, I really appreciate that. Some good news today, Brian. Uh, young 16-year-old Daniel Kelly looks like he's going to sign a professional contract with Celtic. After a few years of uh, young laddies leaving to the brighter lights of Germany and England, it seems like uh, Daniel Kelly has been shown a pathway to the first team and he's got a knock-back interest from Arsenal, Man City and, and numerous other English clubs to sign a professional deal with the club. Now, we, we've spoke about this on numerous occasions this time. These guys need to see a these guys need to need, need to see a pathway to the first team. I think we saw Ben Doak very, very early on that pathway, and there's going to be a change. If Celtic believe these guys are going to be good enough, they're young enough, and you and you you'll see guys like Daniel Kelly round about the first team sooner rather than later. I hopefully I think um it's a good sign and it shows that you know, I think Ange said he was very keen on the academy and very keen to bring homegrown players through. It was one of his big agreements when he joined, but his priority obviously was the, the first team rebuild and then getting the proper sort of coaching, scouting, etc. in place. So you may find that as the season comes to an end and, and the next season starts, you start to look at right who's ready to take the step up and be more involved in the first team and hopefully fill a few sort of gaps in the bench and and you, you've got to assume that that's what these boys have been told and that's what they're buying into because if he's highly rated to sign the contract, um, there's obviously there's obviously something there, there's a conversation happened. So it's going to be quite... I, I, I've mentioned it a bunch of times. I think, you know, there's nothing better than when you get someone for the, the youth setup coming through. It really feels like one of your own. It feels like it, the club's running the right way and it's good to see. It, just, it doesn't happen often enough, but I'm really, really hoping upon hope that you know, Ange promised it at the start. He seems a man of his word, and hopefully, this is an indication that we're, we're on that road. It may still be a season or two before we see these guys start every week, but um, at least if they're, they're getting the time and they're in the picture, that can only be good for them. I think what you've got to look at as well, Kev, is a lot of these guys, as much as their dreams to play for, for Celtic, their dreams maybe to play for the country as well. And you're seeing guys that are stepping up into the first team that are getting involved at under-21s levels, under-19s levels, when they're still quite young themselves. Like Toby Oluwayemi's been basically our third-slash-fourth-choice goalkeeper this season, depending on the sort of fixtures. And he's now called into the England under-19 squad. That's a fantastic achievement for someone like him. And you take a look at um, guys like Johnny Kenny, who's been called up to the Ireland squad in that as well. And these players... If they're playing in and around the first team, they're playing with the big boys, they're playing the, the style of football that Ange wants to play. Now, that means that they can train with the first team Monday to Friday and see by the time it comes to Saturday if they've got to play the B-team game, they can go and play with the guys because they've, they've played with them for years, but they've also got that experience of playing at a higher level and they can drop down because the, the tactics are fluid throughout the whole system. And the fact that that is now being incorporated into the Celtic mantra is the first step in the pathway. Because when you were asking boys to step up before, they weren't used to playing the style of football that the first team was ready to play. 
We saw that during the Dubai sort of debacle when we asked the boys to step up. We ended up going to a 4-3-3 up front. I think it was Harper, Okoflex and Dembele. And that's what they played at the reserve level. We were never used to seeing that when it stepped up to the first team. We had that one focal man and a couple of players playing off him. And it took a bit of time for the three of them to adjust to that game. And it was probably one of the, the most boring games of football last season, which should have been more exciting because these guys were getting the opportunity, but they couldn't make that step up. Now Harper's moved on, Okoflex has moved on, Dembele were hoping is going to sign a new deal. But how many of these players have we lost in that period of time that could have made the step up? That are looking at it and going, if I even get the opportunity, I don't know if I'm ready to play in the first team. Now guys that are playing B-team games are saying, right, I've played centre-mid, I've been playing centre-mid, I'm going to step into that three when Idiguchi's out, when, when Hitati's out, I'm going to show that I can do that. And they've made that step up this season. Guys like Owen Moffat, Ben Doak when he came on, did not look out of place in that game. And I'm sure that there's guys coming through the B team, guys like Rocco Vata, guys like Boston Lovell, who, if they're given their opportunity, will not look out of place in that team. Definitely, Brian. And what I'm going to say is, and, and this is like maybe myself looking at it a bit too deeply, I was quite disappointed to see Dembele back playing with the B team at the weekend. Uh, for game against Rangers at Ibrox uh, I thought he should have still been in, in and around the first team am I just being a bit awkward about that? No I, I get your point but I, I would suggest that he'd, he'd still be in and around the first team because he'd be training with him and still playing with him and he probably wasn't going to feature for us and Ange obviously had his, his game plan planned out so he's probably thought if I get him in the B team against Rangers he's in the full 90 minutes which he maybe not get so I think he's, he's probably still been I think most of the, I don't know most, but there's a quite a lot of the, the younger guys training the first team. As Colin says, they sort of play that way and they train that way. So I would imagine they're still running about anyway, even if they're not quite in the squad. Um, and it, it, it's probably just the case that maybe Anstey didn't see him featuring, um, <clears throat> featuring for the for the bench. So maybe the better option was a, a, a sort of bigger game against Rangers where he was going to play the full ninety. A lot also didn't go well, but. Maybe that was your thinking. So I don't think I don't. I'm not too disappointed about it. Um, but I, I suppose the flip side of that is, if you look deeper, is he doing back with the B team because he decided he's no staying? Maybe I, you can I, look at that. But I, I wouldn't see that be a, a, the case, to be honest. You, you could have a look at that, but then I just see it as this kind of as a bigger game for the B team. Much put like players back down. You look at Leila Bada. He's been he's, he's played. Um, full international caps for Israel, he's back with under-21s this week because they've got a bigger game than the mm. actual full national side. I just didn't like that. Uh, you give the lads who are in under-21s and the lads are in the B team the chance to play the big game. That's Maybe that's just me being romantic in a notion, Colin. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I think the, the game, the sort of rematch of that game is what, next week? Next, was yes. a couple of weeks' time? The, the Tuesday night? Um, and it'll be interesting to see what kind of guys are dropping down to play that game as well. Um, Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know it's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. 
This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct-to-Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. I think at the minute as it stands, Karamoko is still able to go between the two because he's not played that number of games that basically ties him down to one of the teams. So if he can get 90 minutes against a competitive uh, B-team side, as opposed to maybe 15 minutes against the... the um, Sorry, it was Ross County we played at the weekend. Mm-hmm. Then I can see probably the, the benefit to his fitness plan of getting him back up and running. Um, unfortunately, it wasn't a great result for the B-team, uh, but I'm sure they'll take that into the next game and hope to turn that one around. It, definitely, I'm going to go through a, a couple of uh, a couple of the comments before we come back on. There's a great there's a great comment by the uh, a great question by the underwater cabbage salesman, which I'll end up bringing up. But one of one of our uh, long time contributors uh, and commenters, it was his birthday yesterday. So happy birthday, Donny boy, who was 56 yesterday. Um, after we brought up aid, so happy birthday, Donny. I hope you had a great. Oh, hope you had a great day. Donny saying it was his birthday started bringing up a load of comments about age. So Wanky67 says, I'll be 40 in August. Stephen Kenny asks if I'm 45. So if you want to tell us your age in the comments, on you go and we'll see if you're lying or not. <laughs> just, just, just judging by your comment. Uh, it's also Betty Old's birthday today as well. Yep. So a happy birthday Postman birthday to Bertie as well. Uh, the, the, the spirit and soul of the Lisbon Lions. Uh, Eugene Callahan. I can just see Snoop Dogg in a big Ange onesie. I can actually see that. I can't see him in an Ange poster coglu jumper, but I can see him in an Ange onesie. I was talking to a couple of boys the other day, uh, Declan and, and Ryan, and we're talking about kind of daft things that Celtic could bring out now. Uh, with this sort of loving for Ange Postacoglu. And I'm telling you, see if they had a collaboration with Build-A-Bear and you had a build an Ange. And you just, <laughs> you just, you just gave the Ange a, like, a hug and it called you mate. That would sell out the door, I'm telling you. It just wouldn't be Wayne's that would buy that. that, that no, exactly. It would be Celtic dads up and, the, up and down the country standing in queues for a, a Celtic Ange Postacoglu bear. That would be an awkward one if you came home and your missus like, what's that line on the bed? Ah, it's Ange, don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, Scott Howe tells us he shares his birthday with a bottle of vodka. Very wise. Johnny Ryan says Dembele needed game time. Well, maybe that's true, but I would rather that we'd be having game time with, with, with the first team. Uh, so, so, Brown Warrior the Aquaflex deal was a real head-scratcher for me. It is a real head-scratcher for me because he's actually scored 18 goals for West Ham under 23s this season because Armstrong Aquaflex. And there were some West Ham fans actually calling for him to actually get put, in, and put into the West Ham first team. But the question by the underwater cabbage salesman, do you think Ange will utilise the youth players next season and beyond as a key element of his longer-term plan? Colin, what do you think about that when you see guys like Ogle Flex and that, uh, Doak and that leaving? 
I think that it will be. I think when you look at it, you would rather see the development of a young player, and he's he's done that when he was being like the coach at um, Australia. He's been looking to bring the younger ones through because he knows there is only a certain shelf life that players are going to get. Do you know what I mean? So I don't think we'll see them playing consistently week in, week out. But I think if you show your ability, it's not going to matter what age you are. If you're the best player in that position, you're going to be the one that gets picked. And that's different from the way that previous managers at Celtic have looked at it. I think previously it was a case of, well, this guy's got the experience. He's maybe played for me 50, 60 times before. Okay, the, the young boy's on form, but I'll start with the experienced head and I'll turn to the youngster later on. And sometimes it's just, as I said, if that was the case, guys like Leila Bada wouldn't have had 100 games under his, his, uh, his books before he made the move to Celtic. Do you know what I mean? If you don't give these guys a chance, then there is no pathway to the first team and they will leave. So, although the, the old saying goes, you win nothing with teenagers, look, if they're good enough and they can play, they'll be old enough. So, give them the chance and see what they can do. They're only going to learn from their mistakes. Definitely. But, Brian, I'm, on, I'm a romantic and I actually they want us to use the youth I love seeing a youth player coming through and maybe that's why guys like Dokin that leaving kind of kind of annoys me um, and especially I come I come I'm from Sturwin and Barry Hepburn came from Sturwin and I watched them going through the Celtic youth grades and I'm going that's really really great that's really really great and the next thing you can I'm getting told four months before it actually happened that he's going to Bayern Munich and I'm like oh, I really wanted to see a guy from Sturwin possibly make the Celtic first team I, it kind of goes back to what we said at the start I think that the, well I hope I say Ban's pretty much said that was his plan he, he, um, he, he's kind of said for the start that's what he wanted to do is um, get, he knew he was never going to be able to spend millions and millions and millions every year and I don't think he wanted to anyway I think he liked to bring the younger guys through so I think you you see that I think it's important to bear in mind that although we are we're reflecting on the, the young players leaving because we've seen it for years but this is the first season Angie's been in. So we have to kind of, I think next year's going to be very telling. I think if you see no youth players coming through, there's either something really wrong with the academy or that's not his plan. So I think next year will be, be more telling than this year. Um, although the fact that Dembele, Doak, um, obviously Dane Murray, although that was maybe more necessity than uh, desire, uh, played a little bit. So hopefully, you know, we'll start to see some of these guys coming through because I, I think it's in, integral to the fibre of the club and I think as well, if these young guys have got a full season playing the system that Ange wants to play, it's much easier for them to get a chance to slot in, especially given that Ange rotates quite a lot. So I think there'll be opportunities there if they're, they're good enough and I think, as I say, I think it's a man of his word so I would um, I would expect them to, to to feature next year but as Colin says, probably you're not going to see guys starting every week, I don't think. But either they start to come through and, and build that up over the time, you can't really ask for much more, you know. You, you can't ask, Colin, and it's something that we need to actually utilise. Eh? We, we do actually need to utilise our youth system more because in the longer term, it will save us money. But when you look at it, how much is actually spent on Lennoxdown and the academy coming through like year after year? And you're sitting going, well, what is the benefit out of it? Well, you get maybe a Kieran Tierney for £25 million. That pays for it for six, seven years. But then when's the, where's the next Kieran Tierney coming through? Because Kieran Tierney didn't just bring you in £25 million. He brought you in a fantastic player for four years when he was at Celtic, a future leader. And 
someone who captained the team on multiple occasions. So we're looking for the next one to come through. I don't think it's a, a one-in-a-generation thing because when you look at the way that it was before, we had Lennox Town and before we had an academy, you, you had like the, the Quality Street gang and then you brought through other guys and you had like the Kenny Douglases and then you had the Paul McStays and even guys like Mark Burchill. And there was a drip feed of players that would come through. Now that drip is so periodic that when we get one that comes through, we're like, this is it, we're, we're putting our hats on it. This guy, Ben Doak, he's going to be our guy, my hat's on him, he's going to do it, he's going to be the next whatever, and then he disappears. Barry Hepburn disappears, and Liam Morrison disappears, and is it, uh, Liam Hughes, the goalkeeper that went to mm-hmm. Liverpool, and he disappears. So, if the, if the academy's not going to benefit the first team, the question has to be asked on it. But the question also has to be asked, what is stopping a youth player from coming through? Because there is that emotional pull that if you are playing for your your local boys team and then the next minute somebody says, Celtic, what is sign you? If you're a Celtic fan, that emotional attachment comes to you and you go there. But if you hit 16, 17, 18 and you're going, do you know what? I really want to play professional football, but I don't know if I'm going to make the breakthrough at Celtic. That's when you lose these guys. No longer can you just hold on to the fact that you're saying you're a Celtic fan, come on, do it for Celtic. These guys have got to have a career at the end of the day as well. So having that youth academy system, maybe up to 16, 17, you've got that emotional pull. There's a sort of three to four year age gap in there, Kevin, where there has to be sort of that transition from youth football to adult football. And it has to maybe start at a younger level. And I think that's why you have saw the B team is specifically limited to guys that are under the age of 20. Definitely. I mean, the, you, meant, you mentioned that pool. Um, and there's a lot of young guys who are in a, an academy system since they're eight-year-old. And unless their family's got their allegiance to the club, it's very, very unlikely that these guys would have... Kieran Tierney was a one-off, I, I yeah. think, when you see... These young laddies get identified at eight-year-old. They're playing football every Saturday. It's very, un- it's very unlikely that they're going to watch football, Brian, week in, week out, like I was when when I was a lad and, and stuff like that. And I had I'd done an interview with Anfield Rat regarding Ben Doak where they were asking me what type of player they were actually getting. I went, you'll know as much as me because he was fast-tracked to try and get him to actually sign this contract. But these players now are seeing guys go to the English Premier League. They're seeing guys like Kieran Tierney, Andy Robertson. They're seeing guys like John McGinn. They're seeing guys like Billy Gilmore. These are the poster boys for these boys that are coming through these academies now. And whereas when I grew up in the early 80s, you saw Scottish players in the English Premier League all the time. The Liver, the, fame, the great Liverpool type side was made up basically of nearly Scottish players. Eh? These young lads are having a look going, I fancy a crack down there now because some Scottish players seem to be coming back into vogue with, with English clubs. You're, you're based down in Swindon, Brian. So what, what, what's what's the take down there? I think that um, what you're starting to see, I think there's a trend. You know, we spoke about influential managers and coaches. And if you look at Guardiola, he seems to be someone that tends to bring younger players in quite quite early and at that level. So it can be done. So I think there's a lot of times, not just with England, if you look at Bellington for Dortmund, I think he's 17 still, maybe just turned 18. 
He's played excellent games for them. So they're looking at that and going, well, these are you know high-level training facilities I'm getting. I'm going to be playing the brilliant players around us. And I think sometimes when you've what you've got with these teams is they've got a new strong structure and new strong squad so they can bring a youth player in and let him play a bit and he can be not necessarily a passenger but if he's not giving you the best game it doesn't matter because enough to subsidise it and I think at some point that's what Ange is trying to do um, I, th- I think that's uh, what he's trying to make happen and that he can he can have his main sort of 11 you know starting subsidise that with youth players and maybe a bigger buy one bigger buy so they're buying 15 players again I think that's hopefully what you would do um, and I think in, in terms of like being in England you look at a lot of the younger players that are playing they're either getting loaned out and playing at a really high level in the Championship even or even some Premier clubs or you know some of them are going abroad like as I say with the boy Bellington Sancho was at Dortmund as well um, Foden's only 19 I think Um guys like Mason Mount even coming through. So there's a lot of talent coming through. And I think it's as much to do with the coaching philosophies at these big clubs um, as as much as the, the players themselves. So some of these young Scottish guys are going to go, well, I can go to Liverpool and train with the, the Liverpool squad and maybe get some game time. That's probably more viable his career longer term than playing the B-Leagues for Celtic. So the reality is until we change our approach, which I'm hoping is happening as we speak, it's going to continue happening, um, and until there's there's some evidence that there's there's a kind of a conveyor belt coming through, I think it's going to continue. But again, as I said, that I think we spoke about this before, and I said I don't think this is a problem limited to just Celtic. I think if you look at youth players from all clubs everywhere, a lot of them will get unless, unless it's the, your super clubs, they're getting poached anyway by bigger offers, and it's something just financials we're going to have to have to deal with. I mean, Ben Dokes probably quadrupled or more, whatever wage you would have been on, they're going to Liverpool, for example, and, and that's a choice as well. So it's maybe not as much just about Celtic as it is the players' attitudes, the offers they've got. So it's, it's a two-way street, but I think they're heading in the direction, I certainly hope we are. It's definitely not just a Celtic problem. I mean, you see Celtic capitalising on it themselves. Mm-hmm. You see guys like Toby Olawayemi who came up from the Spurs Academy, Oakleflex as well from West Ham. We've seen it a couple of times over the years where guys that were down in the, the lower leagues that I'm sorry not the lower leagues that down in the premiership where they, they just look as if they can't see their pathway into the first team of their teams are saying well, I'm going to make the move up the, the, sorry Colin with Matt Riley he was an example with yeah, Fulham they, when they left Fulham yeah we benefited and he's, he's the, these guys have made their way to bigger things through a different route so it isn't just a Celtic problem but what we're seeing is probably over the last 5-10 years we've noticed it more than what it previously once was. I mean, we, you look at guys like guys like Cy Ferry and um, Lawson and guys that were like consistent names in the Celtic Reserve squad that you knew from Strachan when he first came in to when Neil Lennon came in, that these guys were there constantly week in, week out. Conroy and um, guys like that who... Would have been what 21, 22, 23 when they eventually left Celtic and went mm-hmm. to another team. But at 16, 17, 18, they were never really getting picked up. The only one that ever really sort of came out of nowhere to do something like that and go dressed as Souls Liam Miller. There was never an, another sort of Liam Miller, maybe an Islam Farouz as well, was the, the odd example. But it was once or twice every five years 
what we're seeing is this is becoming a regular thing where it's now two, three, four times a season where you're seeing youngsters that are being poached away to other teams. Definitely. And like you mentioned Matt O'Reilly there, eh? I think Matt O'Reilly, uh, like, he'd be a good Batman, eh? He'd be a good emo Batman because he's got that kind of serious look about him. If Robert Patterson ever wants to leave the, the, the Batman role, I think Matt O'Reilly could actually take that no problem because he's into his yoga and he seems a very serious young man, a very le- level-headed young man. I just saw that came into my head there, eh? I mean, it's got, nothing, it's got nothing to do with Scott Robertson, who I'm going to talk about now. Uh, Scott Robertson has now caught up over 50 games in the EFL in League One since September 2020. Surely a better option than playing substandard opposition in lower leagues in Scotland. Brian, what do you think of that? I think I think it's obviously better. If we're honest, I think, um, I've said before, any sort of competitive... Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home Internet. Cox is the real home Internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Um, league is, is better than, than playing reserve football. And obviously, it's a higher standard than the lower leagues. But the only caveat would be, again, it's talking about the coach under Ange, because Scott Robson might be doing great in the Football League one, but is he going to be able to fit straight into Ange's system? Is he going to play that way? And that might be more of a blocker than, you know, someone in the, the B team, because they are playing that system, they are playing that way. And Ange's been quite clear when they're signing players, he wants players that can fit straight in, so that they will be a need to adapt slightly but <coughs> they do it it's whether or not these guys that are in loan are I mean I spoke about Liam Shaw before as well um, you know they're, they're playing these games and it's brilliant for them and they'll make them far better players than playing the B squad of that there's no doubt I just wonder if you know they're out in loan to get sold on or they're out in loan to really come back in and start and a guy like Scott Robertson I, I don't know. I mean, I think obviously he's a better player now for playing that amount of first team games than he would be playing for the B team. Of course he is. But it's whether he's maybe the right player to fit back in, in the, the system. Um, I, I think the loan system is quite good, but I think it, it's interesting to see where we loan players too and how likely it is they're going to fit straight back in. But there's no drama that's making them better players. But are you going to loan out, you know, 12, 13 players a season? I, I don't know. It, it seems unrealistic to me. So I think you may get a few. Um, but again, until next season, we don't know these guys are in loan if they're going to feature. We simply don't know that. So it, it could be the case. And I think the real answer is going to be next year, do the feature at all. And I think that will kind of dictate where he's at, where his thinking's at. 
I think what you've got to look at as well with the guys like Robertson is where does he come into the team? Because he's coming into what is a, a packed midfield at the minute. You're not going to drop Carl McGregor. Then you've got guys like Hitati, O'Reilly, Rogic, Eddie Gucci, who I, I want to speak about in a minute. Um, there's other guys in there. James McCarthy is on a, a very high wage. Near Beaton, who doesn't seem to be going anywhere. I, I might have missed another one or two out. But then you're throwing guys like Robertson into there. Now, if he comes in as even, say, I don't know, and I'm trying to be as kind to the, the boy here, maybe fifth choice as centre mid. Would that would that be fair, as it stands, fifth choice? As it stands, yes. Right, so if he comes in as fifth choice and he's sitting on the bench and he's maybe only getting 10 minutes here and there, what development for those 50 games that he's had down south, does that help him with? Do you know what I mean? Is he not better to be out there on loan until there is an opportunity? A lot of the times when players come through, it is making the most of a weakness in our squad. Kieran Tierney came in because Izaguiri was playing poorly and he was injured. And he took his opportunity and he shone. Guys like Aidan McGeady came into the team because there was injuries and he played to Castle and scored in his opening day. Same with James Forrest. Um... You've got to have that opportunity to come in. For me, I think what you're looking at is some, if someone's going to break through from that B-team squad this season um, or into next season, it's going to either be at centre-half or it's going to be on the wings because that's the positions we're going to need to fill come the summer because we'll need to look and see whether Carter Vickers stays on, whether um, Julian ever gets fit again and plays for us whether you look at guys like Jota Stain, if not, James Forrest kind of coming to the end of his career. This is where guys like Boston Lowell have to look at that opportunity and Dane Murray have to look at that opportunity and say, there's a weakness in that squad, I can go in and fill that. Guys like Owen Moffat, like Rocco Vata, who can come in and say, that's my spot, I'm going to go and win it. At the minute with Robertson, and I, I don't want to be harsh with the, the young boy because I, I do think he's a quality player, but I just don't know if him coming in as fifth-choice midfielder is going to be the one where you say he's the next captain of Celtic or he's the next one to be the big breakthrough. I just I don't see it happening because I think we've already got such a, sm- a talented group of players in front of him. That, you're, prof- you're right there, Colin. You're, you've actually hit the nail right on the head. There is easier pathways for guys in that B team than now, just mentioning all the players that you mentioned. Johnny Ryan does actually come in. Prime example is Carter Vickers, a young guy who's kind of floated about the English market, not not really going to get a chance with with Tottenham but as you say there is an easier there is an easier pathway for some of the guys in certain positions and Scott Robertson's got a lot of bodies in front of him uh, talking about bodies in front of him uh, Barry McCormick do any of you guys know if we have a bounce game this weekend to help get Kai Ogo fit this will bring you into your Idiguchi comment as well Colin yes yeah. we do Celtic are playing a bounce game against Motherwell tomorrow and this goes back to the headline. Could Kyogo return for the Clodsdale bounce, bounce match? Now, it was rumoured last week that Ange Postacoglu was really, really keen to get a bounce game in this international break to get some minutes into legs of players. Colin, is Kyogo going to be one of them? And at this point tomorrow, are, going to, are we all going to be so excited? We're going to feel like it's Christmas, Easter and our birthdays all at once that Kyogo's back on a football pitch. 
uh, that was already the feeling when we saw him on the training pitch. So God knows what it's going to be like when he kind of steps onto an actual pitch. Um, look, see the the whole thing about bounce games. They've got to be taken out taken out of context because they're more of a training fixture. You don't play two forty five minutes. It's usually three thirty minute spells or three thirty five minute spells or whatever way it works. Um, they they do go longer than ninety minutes for anybody. It's trying to question my maths there. Um, he's going to maybe play two or three of those segments. He'll maybe come on as a sub for one and play a full thirty minutes in another one. And I don't think it's going to be getting him up to speed to start at Ibrooks. What I do think it is is let's see how far he's came. Let's see what it's like for him when he's in that match environment. Let's see how he reacts to um, having played and then coming off and his, his treatment and his recovery after that to see where he is. The best we can hope for for him, I think, is to be on the bench. I don't think he'll be anywhere near the start of 11 for that game. And neither do I think he should be because I think guys like Jack and Marcus have earned their jersey for that game and you have to go with your strongest, fittest 11 and that's why we're talking about like Eddie, Eddie Gucci. Earlier on, I saw an article where uh, I'm just saying that he's still working on his fitness. A couple of weeks ago, he said the exact same thing about Rio Hitati as well. And you notice that when there's this break, and obviously Hitati's away with Japan, but Eddie Gucci's still here. This break is going to get guys under Ange's system um, five days a week or seven days a week, however often they train, and you can focus on a specific programme. And when we were playing two or three games a week, we weren't able to do that. It was a case of coming in, rest day, prepare for the next game, and move on. At the weekend, there, Hatati had one of his best games, and I thought over the last couple of weeks his standards had slipped. But how much of that's down to the fact that we had actually six days to prepare for that game, and he could get himself back up to a condition where for the first 65, 70 minutes he was brilliant. Definitely, Paul McCain, Paul McLean, Brian. Don't rush him. There's still another two Rangers games after this one. I think this is where we are, uh, Brian. We're in a better situation than what we were before the League Cup final when we basically had to rush him back. And he admitted that himself. There was no way that he wasn't playing in that game because the team needed him. We have got other players in form up front, but he needs to start getting minutes on on, on the pitch. And if he is, if he does return tomorrow, it has a massive confidence boost for their own, isn't it? Well, absolutely. And you think of the, I remember when, uh, the 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 last uh, Rangers game where we, we beat them three 0 and as we said before the game, if Cal McGregor starts, that ga- that's going to galvanise the team, and it's going to. I, I, I thought it would have, you know, scared the Rangers players because I think that we've seen him leading the team out. You didn't expect him to be there. It had a huge effect. I think a similar thing can be said about Kyogo because you need to understand as well for all we've done well this season we've had so much it without our, our best striker which is it shows how well we've done which I think is excellent now you imagine the scene imagine it's at Ibrooks and big um, Yakimakis has been battering their two centre-halves Jota's been tying their full-back in knots Sabada's been um, chasing down the right and then you do a, a, a triple sub and it's Maeda Kyogo and Forrest coming on to run at that back back four for the last twenty minutes. If you're the opposition team, you 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 can't not be intimidated by that. And for the players in the park and the manager looking at Kilgore on the bench, having maybe watched them 
uh, in this Browns game, thinking he can go on and do something. There's an unquantifiable factor to that because she's going to come on and she's going to lift the players. Even if we're chasing the game, whether we're winning, whether we're losing, whether we're drawing, him coming on it just can provide that spark. Just having him there, his sheer presence, knowing that we're getting our best striker, potentially coming back, is, is excellent. And, you know, I've, I've been a fan of Gigi for the past while. I think he's, he's been brilliant the past few games. I really do. And I think he starts. But how good is it to have that competition up front now? It's, it's excellent for getting into this running as we're getting these players back. Tumble as well as another guy we've not really mentioned coming back. Um, so I'd imagine he'd probably play um, along with side uh, Gucci and maybe Kyoko in this bounce game as well. And that can only be good for us for the last, what, eight games, eight or so games. Definitely. Duncan Dawson, do you think people will be okay when Ange drops... Jack and Marcus for Kyogo, Colin. I think we are actually learning now to understand that Andrew Postacoglu will rotate his side as he sees fit, and yep. the system is more important than the, than the individual player. I think Jack and Marcus actually gives Postacoglu a bit of breathing space now, not to rush Kyogo back. Uh, and whether we'll see him t- if we see him tomorrow, then that will be utterly fantastic. But I wouldn't expect him to be f- playing a first team game until possibly St. Johnson, I would think, or yeah. even you're or even you're looking more at the semi final. Did you look at it? I mean, he, he mentioned the other day that Turnbull could have been back ten days before if we needed him. I think when players were injured in the first half of the season, it was like a case of. Right, how quick can we actually get them back? It's not opposed to, are they ready to be back? And we, we sort of saw that with Kyogo, where we rushed them back. I, I say we rushed them back. He rushed himself back, to be honest, for the cup final. Um, I think Andrew was sort of being coy the whole time, saying we'll give him as long as he wants to get fit and stuff like that. But realistically, as we said, there was never going to be a point where Kyogo never played that game. So we're not at the stage now where we're saying we desperately need... X, Y and Z back because we've invested well in the January transfer window. We've got a squad now that understands the system and as you say, Kevin, you can take one out, put one in and jiggle it about and it still gives you the same result nine times out of ten. Um, it's not quite where you were going to like um, St Mirren Park and uh, McDermott Park just before Christmas and stuff like that where you played Maeda through the middle, sorry, not Maeda, um, Abada through the middle, and one time it worked, and the, never, the next time it never, and that you didn't have the option to change it up, really, who were you turning to? We brought guys uh, off the bench that we've never really seen back since, and the, the young strikers, so now we're at the stage we don't need to afford to, to rush players back. We can get them back when they're ready, and that means there's less chance of them getting re-injured as well, which is important going forward. We've got seven massive games left in the league, um, and we've got a, potentially two more cup finals as well in the Scottish Cup. So when the guys are ready, they're ready. Let's not rush them back. Let's just make sure that they're fully, fully fit for these games. Definitely. That's has been on an hour and one minute. So we'll go through some of the comments that have actually came in before we... Before we wrap up, Robert Highland, dogging is a is is a play on dodging. That actually makes sense. That does actually make sense. Keith Oakden, I grew up in Alawa, was plugging the school there. Now Alawa and Stirling extremely close to each other. Keith, uh, Elfin Priest comes in to tell us that Run DMC are walking this way to buy Inverurie locals. <laughs> I don't. I, I, I don't know if that's true or no. 
David Brown, I'm 55 years old, but everyone keeps saying I only look 10. Where has he gone with that, David? I know David quite well. He actually sits behind me at Celtic Park. Uh, Peter Quinn, Kev fancies O'Reilly. Everybody fancies O'Reilly. And if he wants me to go and do yoga with him and meditate and talk about ACDC albums, I'm always going to be available for that. I'm always going to be available for that. Last comment of the day is Brian Brian Walsh. Kev, Brian and Colin are just sitting chatting on Axon today, but may you all be billionaires in due course. Brian, as we all rush back to our work at the end of this broadcast, we are going to keep that thought in mind. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in and commenting. You have been utterly brilliant and hail, hail. may apply. Guys, got hair loss? I know what you're thinking. Should I shave my head, comb it over, wear a hat? Just stop. This is in 1970. Keep your hair and your confidence because Bosley, America's number one hair restoration experts, can give you your real hair back permanently. Check them out today because they're giving away an absolutely free information kit and a free gift card to anyone that texts EASY to 203203. Dude, you don't have to look like your dad because this isn't your dad's hair loss treatment. People all over the country trust Bosley because they're ahead of the curve. They use the latest technology to give you your real hair back. And the best part? Bosley's permanent solution is protected by the Bosley Guarantee. Let Bosley show you for free how awesome your hair could look with an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for $250 off. Text EASY to 203203. That's B-A-S-Y to 203203. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet but if their internet comes from a cell phone network you should know it's just phone internet not home internet keep your home up to speed with cox cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5g home internet cox is the real home internet you're looking for Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas visit cox.com internet for details Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. 
And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast.